Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are, Read My Lips, cool conversations with hot creatives. I can say that tonight. Can you believe it's January 25th? (laughs) We're almost 8% done with 2021 already. Be still my heart. We're still hoping it's a better one than last year was. So welcome. This is the show where we talk about creativity. I speak with creative people from all walks of life. I get about 99.9% of my guests from Steve Harrison's Publicity Summit, National Publicity Summit, which which thankfully has gone virtual in the past couple of months since COVID took over the world. So I get to meet all kinds of interesting people like the two lovely ladies who are here with me today. I'm going to be speaking today with Alexa Fitzpatrick. Welcome, Alexa. And by the way, everybody, I had to disconnect my Alexa my echo, my Amazon echo, because every time in the other room, she heard me say Alexa, she started playing the news. So one Alexa's here and the other one is not. And we also have Esty Gubbay, G-U-B-B-A-Y is how she spells her last name. Esty, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thank you. Who's having the anniversary today? Is that you, Alexa? What anniversary anniversary is it? I've been married for two months. (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow. My people say Mazel Tov. I think you know what that means. My people too. My, my, my people too. You wouldn't think Fitzpatrick, but the yeah. other side. Okay. Mazel Tov times three. That's wonderful. We, we Thank you. Happy life. Let me tell, first of all, we have to say hello to Josh Randell, my engineers. Where you say hello, Josh. Hello, Josh. Hi, Josh. There we go. Have to well, he has to be nice to us if we're nice to him. So we said hello, mm-hmm. and we say hello to LLL, lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listeners. Everybody, wave and say hello, Laura. Hello, LLL. Hello, lovely Laura Lanky Legs. Is that it? <laughs> That's just LLL. We call her LLL. That was pretty good. She's my most loyal listener. So here we are in Voice America Empowerment. We're going to be talking today with these two ladies about absolutely fascinating topics. What I was going to say was when I meet my guests, my potential guests, my prospective guests, my future guests at the publicity summits, I book them according to calendar dates. I don't say, oh, you talk about this topic and you talk about that and your topics go together. They rarely are on the same topics, but we always find threads of commonality. And that's why I talk about creativity because all of my guests have something to say about creativity, whether they think it's in their DNA, nature or nurture, whatever it is. So we're here to find out about these two ladies. Let me tell you a little bit, just a little tiny bit of four spices, they say. It goes with muzzle tub. And <laughs> that's a little appetizer. And then I'll have them expand their bio. So Alexa Fitzpatrick is with us. Those of you who ever dreamed about standing behind a bar and dispensing drinks of all kinds or wine or liquor or mixing drinks, well, she's done it 10 thousand hours of bartending from dive bars in New York City and she'll give us a little overview of what in the world that means to the elite at Chef Nobu's five-star restaurant, sushi restaurant. Of course, I've been to the one in New York in Aspen, Colorado. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. And it inspired Alexa's stand-up comedy show. And she's been called the bartender you want to find at the end of the day. There you go. Somebody's got an alert just came in. And she went to the corporate world and she met people who didn't have the same life skills she had learned behind the bar. So she's writing a book called, this is Serving Bait 
B-A-I-T, to rich people, a bartender's guide to happiness. I love provocative titles, Alexa. Alexa, (laughs) just briefly tell us, when is the book coming out? Thank you. Oh, gosh, I hope it's coming out soon. I am I am working on it. The proposal has gone out. So I am in that fingers crossed place. And uh, I certainly will self-publish next fall if I have not found a proper publisher before then. Well, I will Pro- tell you that about, the wrong word, but about, hey. a formal, form, formal, a formal or established you. publisher. I will tell you that about 90 5% of the people on my shows over the years have been self-published. Yes. And they they tell me that publishing with a big publishing house today, they don't do an awful lot of work for you unless your name happens to start with O and end with H. Yes. <laughs> then, then, then you get all the all the wheels are in motion and things are done. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're still doing most of the work yourself. So, Alexa, we're very happy to talk to you. And I did go to bartending school at one point. After a breakup nice. with a boyfriend, I thought, well, if I don't get to be in the bar or dancing on the dance for with this boyfriend I may as well be behind the bar meeting people and making a little money and I was the oldest one at the bartending school <laughs> I was only in, I think I was only in my 40s and everybody was like <laughs> barely legal you know and mm-hmm. I, I decided I might be able to mix the drinks but running the cash register at the same time I said my brain couldn't do that I'm a drummer now so that tells you I am multitasking but <laughs> with brain and hands and feet yes but I gave it up but I had a lot of good a lot of fun taking bartending classes mm-hmm. but we'll talk to you in in depth in a few minutes and I'm so happy okay. you're here I, your book to me is going to be one of a kind. I haven't read or heard anything like that. So I think you're on the right track. And your title is provocative, almost mean, (laughs) (laughs) almost obnoxious, elite. And I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it because you have to capture attention. Speaking of capturing attention, Esty Gabez is the owner, G-U-B-B-A-Y, the owner of Luxurist Travel Agency. That gives you a clue. L-U-X is part of that word. And she's the author of the already out best-selling book, Your Travel Bucket List, The Ultimate Guide to Enriching Your Life with Great Adventures and Unforgettable Memories. I love the title because nobody really talks about travel and bucket list in the set. I don't think they do anyway, Esty. She has a background as a self-development workshop planner and a mastermind group facilitator. We'll find out about that. And she helps her clients discover new travel ideas and brainstorm trips that match their interests and their desires. But she goes way deeper. I read her book. It's beautifully done. Your photography you've selected, Esty, is just gorgeous. You've got a couple of family pictures in there. looks interesting. And she talks about what is it you want to do when you go away? as a group, as a family, as a single, and where can you get that experience and how do you put it all together? And her book is is like a workbook that gets you to plan and she uses it as a travel agent, as a travel guide to help people plan. But it's a think about your travel, not just, oh, they're having a special to Miami. I think I'll go for three. No, no, no. We don't do that anymore. Esty, talk to me a little bit about what was your experience writing a book like this? Wow, you just nailed my book. You did read it. <laughs> I did. I did. Awesome. I did. By the way, Larry King never read his guest books. He just wanted to have a conversation. I'm the one who reads the book. So welcome to my show. Go ahead, Esty. I, I know when people haven't read the book because they tell me how beautiful it is. And it is beautiful. It's a beautiful book. There's great pictures in it. But I'm always like, what about what I wrote? <laughs> <Do you laughs> Um, I wrote the book because um, I am a creative and travel can be creative when I'm planning creative trips for people. But what was happening, I was building my website and I heard, you know, I was learning how you have to have a free offer on your website and maybe it's like, maybe it's like 
an infograph or something. So I started playing with this free offer idea. And I was putting together a worksheet from my travel talks. And that worksheet eventually became the book. I just kept writing. I love it. I uh, I used to teach, <coughs> excuse me, teach blogging. I'm going to take a sip of my water from my magic red glass here. Give me a second. And mm, one of my, my students had written so many chapters that seemed like they would make a good book. And she said, well, I want to write a book. I said, I think you already did. Yeah. And I suggested she take the blog entries and put them together, give them chapter names. And she did. And she published a book. It was called Raging Against Aging. She's a boomer. And the book is delightful. It has all of her all of her interesting approach to getting a well-der. Yes. I'm going to cough. <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm going to find a cough drop here. So, Alexa, let's find out a little bit about how you, you went from doing stand. First of all, bartending to stand-up. I've done stand-up. I did it for years. I had a little troupe. It was called, I'll give my full name, Bonnie G and Du Bois. And it was guy <laughs> comedians. And we did Borders Bookstores. Mm-hmm. And we did public libraries. And we had a blast. We really had it. But what, I did improv comedy as well. There you so go. You know. <laughs> the comedy crowd. There you yeah. go. I studied improv with Michael Gelman from Chicago Second City at a class in Manhattan and from some other very well-known people. And and how do you think it's so easy to do radio? Because I'm constantly thinking of things to say and do while I'm while I'm thinking, where does the show need me to go? So, Alexa, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Why don't we talk a little bit about how you went from bartending to stand up? That's the journey I want. Go ahead. Okay. Well, and interestingly, I also did, uh, I did the second city conservatory program Mm. in Los Angeles, California. I was in the first class of, I think the second round of Los Angeles. So it was, uh, it was, they were kind of just building up. And I used to work at a place called the Groundlings Theater, which. Of course, that's famous. Yeah. the world famous Groundling Theater. I didn't do anything world famous there. I, you know, <laughs> you are now <laughs> tickets and stuff. But uh, but how did I go from all of this to bartending to writing a book? Um, I bartending started out because it was a great way. I was an event producer and I produced events all summer and I was off in the winter and so I thought, oh, I'll go spend some time. I can bartend in the, in the winter time. It was in such an easy job to kind of pick up and drop down and bartending and stand up are very similar in the sense that you're, <laughs> you're kind of, you're, you're kind of the star of the show in both cases, right? Yep. Like everybody's looking to you for what they want, whether it's entertainment or alcohol or sometimes both frequently both when you're, when you're in a lively bar or in a, even in a dead bar, you know, somebody comes in and they sit down and they're like, tell me some stories, entertain me get me to keep paying you. Uh, so they, they really kind of dovetailed together nicely. I, I met a guy at a wedding and I decided, all right, enough being out till four o'clock in the morning with stand-up comedy, with bartending, with this crazy lifestyle, I'm going to clean it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not that I was living like a, not, not clean, like get clean, clean, but like, you know, like <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't off the rails or anything. I was just these crazy late hours to, you you never see somebody who works a nine to five. Sure. So, uh, so I decided that he lived in San Francisco. I lived in New York and I decided I was going to figure out how to get somebody in San Francisco to hire me for a grown up job. So I could move here on my own, spend time with him because we just met at this wedding, but, uh, but you know, move here on my own, not be super dependent on him. So I, 
you know, very creatively wrote my, my resume. <laughs> it was a very creative resume. And I convinced Stanford University to hire me uh, to create events, uh, speaking events for their professors to talk to their alumni base and keep the alumni engaged. And that was where I just kept looking, you know, I mean, I kept looking around and thinking, you know, there's so many times, let me put it frankly, many of my coworkers at Stanford drove me crazy. Okay. And in the bar, those same crazy people didn't trigger me the same mm. way. And I talk about triggering a lot because that that's, you know, that's something we're all dealing with a lot right now. You go on social media and you see something and you're just triggered all over the place, right? Like, oh my God, that person. And how could they possibly think that? And how could they, you know, on, on both sides, right? And when you're in a bar, all those crazy things go on around you and they don't bother you the same way. You can, you, you've learned how to put the bubble around yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to, and I realized that when I was in the corporate world, putting that bubble around myself, like I, I it wasn't, it didn't feel natural to me. And also everybody else was just constantly triggered, you know, like everything you did, somebody was like, ah, freaking out. So, uh, so I started pulling out all those bartending lessons and thinking like, okay, well, how does this apply? And that's what led me more towards the book, because as we were, we were talking earlier about, as you get a little old for bartending, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea that I'm too old for bartending, but my back would not lift a keg, you know, like you get to a point where it's like, I, you know, I love the idea that I could throw down with the kids, but gosh, the, eh, you know, it's a young person's game. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I'm intrigued when you say you just put together a resume and you talk Stanford university into (laughs) letting you put together conversational events for, for their, their teachers, for their, their professors. must've been one hell of a resume, Alexa. (laughs) Was there a key, a key concept in there? Did you say I've worked in everything from dive bars to uh, top notch five-star sushi restaurants and I had talked to people? (laughs) There's got to be one killer line in there. I want this as an instruction for all of my listeners. What was the killer line you put in there? Well, I do, I do actually coach people on writing resume, writing creative resumes and pulling out the most interesting thing. And actually in times of COVID, I think I hid bartending on my resume. I, I shouldn't say I hid bartending, but I downplayed bartending. I mean, I talked about it in the special skills section of like, you know, I can make a mean martini and solve your relationship problems all in three minutes, <laughs> you know, but, but I didn't highlight it. And I, I think that's a mistake that people make. And especially in times of COVID as bartenders are looking for other kinds of jobs, I'm hoping that on sort of the sub- subtle level of this book will be to kind of help people remember that, that bartenders are doing it all. And that's not something to hide. That's something to be proud of. Well, isn't the bartender on the par with your hairdresser and your psychologist? Oh, yes. We get all the dirt. (laughs) Esty, what do you think in terms of sharing and and judgment-free? That's why people talk to bartenders. Esty, what do you think? Do you talk to a bartender? Do you talk to a hairdresser? You know, I'm I'm more of the hairdresser talker, I would say for sure. Yeah, I haven't been in a bar in a, in a long time. I've been with my husband since I was 18. <laughs> but, but yes, um, but my hairdresser knows an awful lot of, of uh, dirt on me, I'd, I'd say. And do you know who I'm using now? Because I, I don't go to bars and I, I was playing drums in taverns, but I wasn't drinking. I was just staying in the in the entertainment side where people were eating. I wasn't in the bar side. <clears throat> my massage therapist 
I can talk. I don't talk during my massages, but when we come into the room, now we're in a room, there's no locker room, no sauna. She wears a mask. I wear a mask the whole time. She washes her hands in the sink. It's just the two of us. You come in the door, they spray your hands with sanitizer. You have to sign that you didn't go near anybody who had it or anyway, blah, blah, blah. But I find it in those five minutes or three minutes before she says, what's on your mind? How are you feeling? Any aches and pains? I will unload, unleash a little bit about what my week or my two weeks have been like. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when it's done, we go out in the hall and we whisper quietly in case anybody's in one of the other rooms and we catch up. Mm-hmm. And that's where she tells me what she's doing. And I tell her, and it's like a little mini therapy. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're relaxed. You're feeling open and good. It's, I think I talked for the first 15 minutes of my massage. I became so close with my massage therapist. After 10 years, she got married at my house. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's amazing because when you're traveling, you tend to talk to strangers a lot that way too, you know, as you're, as you're traveling on your adventures. Sure. Um, and that's a perfect segue into Esty's book. So Esty, let's talk a little bit more about how you organize the book. I have lists and lists and lists. I printed into my notes here about things that you want people to pay attention to. The right questions can inspire your imagination, reflect on your interests, your hobbies. What kind of trips do you like? What new activities do you want to experience? Uh, experiences all over the place. You talk about everything. Name your travel bucket experience. Give it a list and a name. So Esty, I want you to talk and tell us a little bit about how you organized it and what to you is the most important part of going through the exercise of thinking aside of where is the cheap ticket or my whole family's only available to leave from New York and we have to go to Miami for three days and a cruise to nowhere. <laughs> so go ahead. How do you do this? Esty, give us a little primer or primer, please. Yes, absolutely. First of all, I just want to say this is the best time to plan your travel bucket list. Because you're not necessarily planning your next trip right now. When you're planning your your next trip or currently planning a trip, you're involved in that. You're taking time to learn about if you're going to Cabo, everything there is to know about Cabo and your flights. And you're, you're not thinking six trips out. But since we've all been pretty homebound for the past nine or ten months, now we, we're thinking about all those places we wish we had gone or we want to see in the world. So it's a great time to think of it in terms of not just the next trip you're going to take, but what your lifetime of trips looks like. So that's the, that's the main goal. And when you do that, it, it, it changes the way you think about your trips because, you know, there's certain times in your life, maybe early on, where trips are important because you want to have great adventures. You want to do something really sporty and active, you know, and then later on in life, maybe you want to bird watch. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. But those things have to happen at the right time in your life. For instance, if you have kids, what do you want to teach your kids through travel? You know, you have a certain amount of time to do that while they're young. And so you want to pick those trips based on what's most important to you. And is there a future view of, since it's a bucket list, it's, well, I haven't done this yet. I don't know how I'm going to react, but I think I would like to experience that. Is there that aspirational type of a trip, Esty? Sure. I I talk about travel and all different ways that you can travel. So you might want to travel and do um, volunteer work, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to travel and find out more about your ancestors and your heritage, or you might want to finally learn how to cook and do it in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of things that you can do that are that, like you said, are experiential that make the trip so much fun. 
And the point you made earlier, don't just pick the easiest place to go to or, you know, the destination you hear is popular or looks good on Instagram. Go where what you want to do is done the best. Ah, that was very, very, very telling. Go where what you do is done the best. Let me, with your permission, let me read a couple of the outdoor experiences that you Okay, Esty, may I? I? I've copied the list. You say a couple of ideas people might be interested in when they're planning a trip that you never thought you would plan in the first place or the last place, but it's a bucket list. Horseback riding on the beach in Mexico, feeding stingrays in a lagoon in Bora Bora, hiking the Grand Canyon, riding a camel in Petra or Petra, Jordan, wine tasting in France, glamping, that's glamorous camping, and a big five Jeep safari in Africa, cycling in Amsterdam, riding a helicopter over an active volcano in Hawaii, cruising in a small luxury ship in the Caribbean or Caribbean, staying at a ranch in Montana, exploring a glacier ice cave in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, one more whitewater rafting in Fiji or the Grand Canyon. And of course, snorkeling with dolphins in Kona, Hawaii. This is so, have you done a lot of these yourself, Esty? I have to know. I have. And if you read the, you read the book, you saw I had little sections where I say, this is my story. This is my yes. experience. Yes. And, you know, we decided early on, my kids are now 18 and 20. We decided when they were young that vacations were going to be the most memorable time, memorable times in their life. And we wanted to make them really special. So we took them on places like, like these adventures. Like, for instance, I have a story in the book about how uh, my daughter, when she was 12, got really into sharks. And she wanted to save sharks from extinction. Mm-hmm. And how can I milk this and let, let this last a little longer? And so we all got scuba certified in our backyard pool. And then <laughs> where are we going to go to swim with sharks? And we went to Fiji and we swam with sharks at a place called the Beach Bistro, where it's not the sharks don't eat the humans, they eat tuna. But anyway. <laughs> I'm so relieved. I'm so glad you went. <laughs> well, you're here talking to us. It sounds horrible. We went to the Bistro to swim with sharks. Um, <laughs> I love the story, and and it of course presupposes Esty that you like spending time with your family, and that you respect your kids early. I want to do this, I want to do that, and that you want to be part of them deciding what they do want to do with their lives, or you want to give them those. Go ahead. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that extreme. I mean, that's an extreme example, but I love it. Even just teaching your ten-year-old to be brave by going ziplining, you know. It's pretty safe and and simple, but it seems really scary and really adventurous and really brave when you do it, right? Mm-hmm. So go with your family ziplining. All three generations could do that at the same time. Very interesting. I have a had a have a friend in New York. I'm in Durham now, and, and uh, I had a good friend in New York who was one of my TV directors, a dear friend, and he decided single, carefree. He went to Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and he joined up with a group of mostly women from all walks of life. There were nurses and teachers and he became their, their one of their few male escort buddies and they all went zip lining. And he was about 80 when he did that. And he had pictures. I know, I know Alexa, he had pictures taken and he just had a blast. Never in a million years. He's gone to a BVI and been in a, a boat when the tide was going the wrong way. And I think had to be rescued and that's British Virgin Islands absolutely fascinating i remember i was on a tour esty tell me did, did i still do this when i was 
18. I would think I was a freshman. I was a freshman in college. My parents, I let they let me talk them into sending me to Neuchâtel, Switzerland to study French because I wasn't a French major, but I was very strong in French and do a European tour at the same time. So I went with a group of girls, 18-year-old, 19-year-old girls from around the U.S., and we had a tour leader named Mary Akash. I'm sure she's long gone. And we went to, we did Paris, we did London, we did Tivoli Gardens, we did uh, Venice and Florence, and um, uh, we stayed in Neuchâtel, Switzerland, and I'm trying to think of where else we went. We went to many countries, and we basically hopped from place to place, and it was a, a kind of immersive. I lived with a Swiss family for four weeks and pretended to study at the University of Neuchâtel, but I found out that even I, as an honor student in, in the New York City schools in French, couldn't keep up with the level, the depth, and the immersion into the French language they were teaching there. So I spent my days sitting on a bench looking at Lake Neuchâtel and eating chocolate bars and oranges and meeting people who took me to a disco, and it was a lot of getting motorcycle rides around the city. It was a lot of fun. So are people still doing that, SD? We're going to go to the national holidays. Are people still sending their kids on, on that kind of tour? Do they exist? I sent my daughter, the one who's 20 now, when she graduated on a Kentucky tour. And that's exactly what Kentucky is. It's te teen tours around Europe. Yep. And I sent her and all her friends and they had a fantastic time. And then the following year, she did a birthright trip. That's when if, you have, yes. if you're Jewish, you know, you get a free trip to Israel. And she got to do that. The younger daughter has been to uh, Paris to study French like you, is mm -hmm. a the summer and she's been to New York to study. So I think that there, there are ways to, to put travel in your life and to do it a little bit slower where you live there for a semester. Yeah. You could do a semester at sea. There's so many interesting ways that you could travel. And I think that's really important if you've got kids to, to let them experience the world. Yes. And I, I did an interesting thing. I think you'll appreciate this. My daughter was studying French in Aix-en-Provence. I'm not sure what, what college or university was there, but she, she booked a trip and I said, I'll meet you in Paris. Mm -hmm. So I flew over. It's before I had my fear of flying. I flew over from JFK in the middle of a rainstorm. And I booked the front of, I don't know what the plane was. It might have been a 737, but it was a very private first class up front. It was a special vacation trip they did on JetBlue. I don't know what, what the booking was, Esty, but it was not that expensive to have a seat in the front where you had cloth napkins and only two seats to a row and the seats were spread out all over the cabin. We sat on the tarmac for two hours waiting for the thunderstorm to stop. I was terrified, but I got to Paris in one piece. My daughter came in on the train and I said to her, you're the tour guide. I'm the banker. <laughs> I had booked a hotel. It was 95 degrees that summer Fahrenheit. I booked the third floor of a walk-up hotel in the middle of Paris, the only floor in the hotel that had air conditioning. And we did the city on foot for 10 days. We went everywhere. We took the regular train. We took the subway, the metro. We took buses. We mixed. I spoke a little bit broken. She was fluent in French, obviously. And every night when we came home, we soaked our feet in cold water in the bathtub with the air conditioning on full blast. We went to the local grocery store and we bought baguettes and taboulet and and whatever we wanted. And we had a picnic dinner on a towel on the floor watching the French news in our <laughs> hotel room and soaked our feet because we had walked miles and miles. How does that sound to you, Esty? Well, you see how you remember so many details about that everything. trip? Everything. Right, everything. There might have been another nice day that you had with your daughter where you had a picnic, but you don't remember <clears throat> that one at all. It's the cementing of yeah. the time 
period and the vacation that make memories really last in your mind. So I always say when you're, we're all with our families right now, for the most part, when you're sitting at the table at dining room table, talk about some of your fondest memories. You'll find a lot of them, if you were lucky to do, to do trips that they happened at trips. So what let's do it. Let's, let's reverse that. Let's say what kind of experiences and what kind of memories do I want to have in the future? Mm -hmm. How do we, those memories and what memories we want to create for our future and you can do it that way too so you can plan you know whatever seems like if if it's your 70th birthday party instead of having the party at home have all your adult children and their grandchildren come with you and rent a villa somewhere in the caribbean you know make it memorable absolutely fascinating i i love i love the approach alexa what do you think is this kind of travel for you too I love it. I uh, When I was 16, my mom and I did a very similar trip in France. Uh, we we went to Aix-en-Provence. We went all the way down to Cannes. And it is one of my most treasured memories. I mean, I was 16. So I'm sure on some level we were at each other's throats. And yet <laughs> <laughs> it was still, you know, because I, I was 16 and I knew everything. Because you know everything when you're 16. What? You forget it all by the time you're 40-something. But... <laughs> We, we, we speak from moderate experience, right? Mo- modest experience. <laughs> Ladies, it's half past already. I haven't even done the holidays and the famous birthdays. This is very unusual, but I'm enjoying weaving your stories together. Very interesting. You've traveled over the course of bars, Alexa, into people's lives and gone into corporate. Alexa, just one question before we do the holidays. You went from the 10,000 hours of bartending into stand-up. How long did you do stand-up? Or was that while you were bartending? Was it separate? It, it it honestly all flows in and out of itself. So uh, I started doing stand-up many, many years ago. Uh, I used to say I lost a bet. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, a little angel that sits on your shoulder if you're meant to do stand-up. And it kind of yep. gives you the bug yep. in that first time. And uh, I bombed for two straight years after that. But I was like, oh, I remember they were laughing that one time. So I'm going to get back there. Um, and then I... I went in and out of it. I, I produced events. I lived on a rock and roll style tour bus and produced events around the country, um, AIDS rides and breast cancer walks. And that's kind of what led me back to stand up comedy was, oh, my God, all these crazy experiences are happening. And what am I going to do with them? I need a creative outlet for them. Yep. Thank you. And so I in and out. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you. I wasn't sure what the chronology was there. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Ladies, let's do a couple of, of uh, wonky, funky holidays here from my national holiday calendar that nobody believes exists except <laughs> me on Monday nights. So Monday today is January 25th. It's national. I want you to sit tight, Alexa and Esty. This is going to blow your minds. It's National Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. I'm sorry. Bubble Wrap? Bubble wrap. Have we appreciated bubble wrap recently, SD Gubby? I, I have. I have appreciated bubble wrap because I collect the bubble wrap in all my packaging to save to, to ship my books. So I have a little stash of bubble wrap that I think is very precious. Well, I want you to go and say thank you. I just recycled mine too for that same purpose. <laughs> I keep I keep wraps that are I know how expensive it is because I used to sell on eBay and having to buy it by the bolt. I said the hell with that. Everything I get, everything I buy, I'm saving the little pieces, the big pieces, whatever. <laughs> but I've started to do paint pouring techniques. I've I've been doing art for most of a year and a half now. I've got about a hundred pieces in my house. Sometimes I do two a day, and I've started into acrylic paint pouring. And there's a technique where you can you if you're looking for something interesting, go look for Jilly G I L L Y. 
Cube, K-U-B-E. She's an Australian, you know, she is Alexa. She's an Australian mm -hmm. artist who specializes in paint pouring techniques. And she has videos on YouTube. Just subscribe. You'll, you'll just blow your mind with that. You never see her on the videos. You just see her from, from like the waist up her hands <laughs> moving over the table. And I've learned what supplies to get and how to mix the paints and all kinds of things. But, but there's a technique where you pour the paints in chevron shapes on the bubble wrap. And then you take small canvases and you put them face down on it and pick them up and you get the most gorgeous patterns looking what? like little wow. feathers like peacock feathers and leaves go watch jilly g-i-l-l-y cube k-u-b-e and subscribe to her channel i think you'll get a real kick out of it anyway so it's also in case you're busy bubble wrap appreciating you need to have an irish coffee because that'll that's still for today okay and it's also opposite day. So anything I said, do backwards. Okay, drink your coffee backwards and double the bubble wrap. I don't know. Tomorrow, January 26th. Well, my goodness, very important day. It's National Peanut Brittle Day. Does anybody even eat peanut brittle anymore? No. Not, not oh. if you want your teeth to stay in their one place. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's also spouse's day. I don't know whether that's current spouse, previous. Well, Alexa, you can, you know, it's two month anniversary, your spouse appreciation already, right? Indeed. You know, it's early when you're counting the month anniversaries. <laughs> I know. Esty, how many years? You said, well, you said no, since 18. Five. Yeah. We were, we, we were dating for many, many years and we've been married for 25. So yeah, I think I still appreciate my spouse. <laughs> there you go. Well, tomorrow's the day to tell them. Wednesday, I'll give you all a reprieve. It's National Chocolate Cake Day. Is there anything more gorgeous than that? Seriously? I know we have to have a food holiday every week on Thursday, even though the ground is frozen in much of the country, it's national Daisy day. So that might be a fake Daisy, a little, I don't know, or a picture of a Daisy go appreciate a Daisy. It's also national blah, 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 kazoo day. And while you're playing the kazoo and holding a Daisy or putting it in your hair or your hat, it's national Lego day. Well, that's uh, a fun one. I know. I know. So well, is there Go and like register a day if you have a day in mind that you'd like the world. You know what? Go to the go look for the national holiday calendar and see if anybody's uh -huh. running it because it's the same every year. It looks like is it hasn't changed from last year. I'm just recycling mm -hmm. the months. I wasn't doing it in the beginning <laughs> of last last year, so it's new. Good question, Esty. It, Friday is National Have Fun at Work Day. Duh. Well, that's have work, have fun working at home day, which is a challenge for a lot of people now in the COVID era, but it's also it's National <laughs> Puzzle Day. Okay. Okay, that's good for family night, right? We should all pull well, out a puzzle. Jigsaw and puzzle. having the two of those on the same day makes sense because sometimes it's a puzzle to figure out how to have fun at work. <laughs> as long as you don't mix your Legos up with your puzzle pieces and as long as you don't chip peanut brittle on top of the puzzle. I just finished an 18 by 24, 18 inch by 24 puzzle of an antique car with four people in it and a waiter with the tray. And it's a, was a Coca-Cola ad Oh wow! in front of a restaurant. I did it with, with a friend with, with my, my BF and uh, we, I did about 90%. He, he wasn't here that week too much, but anyway, it was a lot of fun and it's it's really gorgeous. And we put it on a big board on my coffee table and we could move it around when watching TV, move the board. And mm -hmm. we just tackle different sections of the puzzle. Of course, a lot of them look the same, but the, the little nuances, it's very good eye hand training, I think. To, okay. Until I, I'm not going to sleep for the next 49 hours until I find where this piece goes. You know how that goes, right? <laughs> 
Well, if you haven't had enough of peanut brittle, brittle uh, espresso, Irish coffee and chocolate cake on Saturday, it's National Croissant Day. Oh, and I will tell you that when I worked in New York City many years ago, I was a couple blocks from Macy's in Herald Square. Mm. And I used to walk over on, uh, I think it was 34th Street. I used to walk up 34th Street past all the stores, go to Macy's, and they had a food department downstairs. It was like a deli, and you could buy for, I think, two and a half dollars, a warm croissant with ham and cheese inside mm-hmm. with the cheese melted. How does that sound, Alexa? Amazing. Delicious. They, they were. Esty, do you get to New York much? I actually, I grew up in New York. And we are we're putting an offer on a, on a townhome uh, right now. In Where? What park? In the city? Soho. Yeah, in Soho. Well, whoa, ho, 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 Soho. Yeah, you got to come back when you get that. My goodness. By coastal, I'm not giving up my my Southern California beach house. So of course not. <laughs> well, I hear that real estate is very, very hot. As a matter of fact, my massage therapist told me houses here are selling for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand over the asking price. Wow. It's a We're real... looking for a house in San Francisco and they're insane too. We're... Which is odd because you wouldn't think in, in this COVID environment, people would want to move and have to deal with all that stuff, but they're going nuts relocating. So, so muzzle tough to you in advance and to you in advance. Yes. And then on Sunday, as if opposite day wasn't enough on Monday, next Sunday is national backward day and national hot chocolate day. So in the week we've had Irish coffee, peanut brittle, chocolate cake, Legos, don't eat them, croissants and hot chocolate. And I think that's great. I'll quickly give you my hot chocolate recipe. We're going to do famous birthdays. Uh, Unsweetened cocoa, Hershey's, Nestle's, whatever you like, a couple flat teaspoons in a mug, and then the same amount of cornstarch and measure it level in the same spoon. Cornstarch and cocoa are used in homemade chocolate pudding recipes. And then add a little water and you can either add sugar. I use agave syrup, medium color, amber agave, and mix it up as it's in a paste so that there's no no little particles of the dry in there. And then add 1% or 2% or whole milk, whatever your pleasure is, but only about a a half of the way up the mug, maybe two thirds, not close to the top. You're going to stir it until it's all smooth and you're going to microwave it in spurts for 45, 55 seconds. It will thicken a little bit, not like chocolate pudding, but a little. After every 45 or 50 second in the microwave, you got to look in the light, make sure it doesn't boil. If you're going to stir it, check the spoon to see if it's sticking to the spoon and then give it one more round in the microwave for maybe 12 seconds. And when it starts to bubble up, you got to cut the power immediately. Take it out with a hot a hot pad or a, 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 what do you call it? Heating pad. A, pot holder. Uh, pot holder. Thank you very much. Not getting my words here. That's rare. Take it out with a pot holder. Put on something hot. It's going to burn your counter, burn your hands. And then you take mini marshmallows and you put them in the top and stir it up. Until oh, my. The sugar from, oh, this is a celebration on chocolate. Until the sugar gets all dissolved. And then you can put in the top a little bit of milk or a little bit of Cool Whip or a little bit of whipped cream. Or I just use a little bit of vanilla ice cream. Just a little to cool it off on the top. And then just look at it and enjoy how thick and beautiful it is. And then sit down and do something like watch TV or talk to somebody and eat it with a spoon. Don't drink it. Yum. Well, and when is National Diet Day? Because <laughs> the day after. I, I, that's not on my calendar. And then what, I, what you can do is you can add a little rum if you really want to make it festive. But mm. this is my hot chocolate recipe that I developed this winter here in Durham. Ladies, let's do some birthdays. Yum. All these people are alive and they're all women, which is very odd. I usually have a mix. I go through a list on. By the way, if you ever want to see 
what's going on in terms of all the people who are born and died and some of the religious holidays around the world, put in the date, the calendar date, the day, the month, and the year, just the day and the month, into Wikipedia. And the date will come up and click Wikipedia and it will give you a list of everybody who they know of who was born on that day and then all the people who died on that day and some other miscellaneous. And today, by the way, is January 25th, the 25th day of the Gregorian calendar. There are 340 days left in 2021. This is the fourth Monday of the year. And I tell everybody there's only 340 days left. So if you have something in mind for New Year's Eve, a special bubbly or not bubbly, don't wait too long to get it because we're all going to be <laughs> celebrating because this will be a better year than last year. I, I I know. I can't promise, but I know. So here we go. And that's why I got that from Wikipedia every week. So, Gregory, and thank you, Gregory, Greggy, whatever your mother called you. We like your calendar. I appreciate it. So <laughs> 1945 today, she's still with us. Lee Taylor Young, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R Young, was hyphenated in the American actress, played Rachel Wells, W-E-L-L-E-S, on the primetime soap opera, Peyton Place. I'm sure LLL, lovely, lanky, Laura Legs watched that, too. She was a replacement character for Allison McKenzie, previously played by... Mia Farrow. And this lady, Lady Lee Taylor Young, ended up being married to Ryan O'Neill. It was her first of four marriages, okay? And her first movie was with Peter Sellers, I Love You, Alice B. Toklas, 1968. That was a very famous movie. Dinah Manoff, actress today. She's the actress daughter of Lee Grant, who, who passed away a few years ago. I remember Dinah Manoff. Jennifer Lewis with one N. Anybody know who she is, what she plays? You ever watch Blackish on TV? Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anthony Anderson, and uh, uh, she plays Rainbow. Yes, you know her name. Mm -hmm. uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. She's mm -hmm. Diana Ross's daughter. Well, Ruby Johnson, who is married to, who's who's the uh, actor who's the star of, of Blackish? You know who I'm talking about. She's his, his ex-wife, and they get married again. Okay, Anna Ortiz, a very, very interesting lady, uh, played the FBI profiler, Dr. Susan Sampson, on Whiskey Cavalier, which was Scott Foley's show, canceled after mm -hmm. one season. Very interesting. She's adorable. She's a good actress. Mia Kirshner. Did anybody watch The L Word? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Jenny Schechter, the crazy gal who wrote the novel, and she lived with her boyfriend, and then she discovered she was G-A-Y? <laughs> and Jenny Schechter, who ended up being killed at the end of season four, I think, was played by Canadian actress Mia Schechter. And she was ranked number 43 on Maxim's Hot 100 Women of 2002. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Alicia Keys was born today. Does anybody know her real name? No. What is her real name? Real name is Alicia Augello, A-U-G-E-L-L-O, Cook. Singer-songwriter, pianist, actress, classically trained pianist, began composing songs by age 12, and Columbia Records signed her at age 15. Wow. She left Columbia, went to Arista Records, released her first record in 2001, and it became her first Billboard Hot 100 and Fallen. Sold 16 million copies, earned five Grammys in 2002. So Mia Kirshner was named to the Maxim Hot List and... Alicia Keys had her first huge multi, multi, multi. So that's it for those. We have about 12 minutes left. I can't believe how time is, has flown. So let's do a little bit more about your books. Alexa, you have to tell us in the title of the book, seriously, the word bait. I, I found your title very provocative, obviously. So tell us, what does the title mean in terms of serving bait to rich people? I have to know. I want to well, know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, after working, so I've worked in dive bars and I've worked, I worked at this very high end sushi restaurant. Um, and the bait, obviously the bait is sushi. It's, mm -hmm. 
it's, and it's interesting because it's, you think about, and this is something I talk about in the book related to happiness and values and how you value yourself. You know, that same little hunk of fish, depending on how it's sliced and prepared and the toppings you put on it can cost a hundred dollars on a plate at a very fancy restaurant, or you can put it back on a hook and throw it back in the, you know, somebody decides (laughs) to put it on a hook throw it back in the ocean and catch something that like actually might feed their whole family. Um, And that's, you know, and it's the difference is how you value it, what you, what you have to do with it. And so that's something I talk about in the book about figuring out your values and, and, and do you think of yourself? Are you sushi or are you bait? But also there's the piece of just not taking anything too seriously. And while of course it is important to me to craft a wonderful experience for you when you're going to drop a thousand dollars on a dinner for two, but it's still serving bait to rich people. You know, it's still not something to work yourself up into a crazy mindset about. So it, it, it hits on a couple levels and hopefully it's just to make you give, give you a chuckle too. <laughs> and I'm still thinking about a thousand dollars for a dinner for two. That's a little bit out of the range of people I've gone out with. <laughs> Let's leave that one there. A uh, question for you, <laughs> question for you is you mentioned also in your overview in your, your outline, Alexa, that the people you met at Stanford didn't have what you learned in the first week of bartending. What was that? Je ne sais quoi. What was that ability? Is it the ability to hold a conversation with a, a stranger? What exactly was that? Uh, I think a big piece of it is listening. And uh, so often, I mean, I there are 30,000 people who have said this probably way better and way before me. Stephen Covey's the one that's kind of coming to mind at the moment. But seeking first to understand and second to get your point across. And there have been so, and, and you know, we talk about, we look at great leaders and great leaders walk into a business meeting and they listen to everybody and then they give their idea because once, you know, when you're the, the boss, once you give your idea, everybody's going to line up and place for it. Now, when you're bartending, you don't want to start off with, hey, can I get you a beer? Because you might order something way more expensive or way more interesting. Or, you know, like, I don't want to lead you somewhere because I want to see where you're going. And I want to create, I don't want you to walk into my restaurant and for me to create my experience for you. I want to create your best experience for you. And I think that's a big piece of the difference between a great bartender and a average, you know, a a bartender who gets you a drink and a bartender who creates your night. Very nicely put. And that's, uh, uh, there's a, a dotted line with what Esty is doing in terms of helping people customize a trip where it's not out of the brochure and it's not what the concierge wanted. It's what you wanted. It's not about them. It's about you. And Esty, I want to go through a couple more things in your book. I was fascinated with your quote from James Michener. I appreciate quotes. The quote, everybody listen up. If you reject the food, ignore the customs, fear the religion, and avoid the people. You might better stay at home. I love that quote, Esty. So appropriate about travel. But you give four questions, I mentioned this before, to stir your imagination and inspire what you want to do on your trip. Let me just read each one, and I'll get both of you. I think we can. We have time for both of you to make a quick comment on each. So Esty's question number one is, you're starring in a movie, one with amazing, am I saying this right, amazing cinematography. What spectacular scenes do you envision yourself in in that movie? Esty, where would you be? And then I'll, I'll tee you up, Alexa. Esty, where would you be in that cinematography movie? Uh, a yacht off the coast of Greece. 
Oh, interesting. Alexa, where would you be? Oh gosh, I'd 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 like to be in Estes movie and then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then maybe shift into my own. Uh, I would love to be in a little tiny restaurant on top of a mountain in Italy with my husband. Oh, okay. Here's the next question. How are you different one year after your next trip, spiritually, emotionally, physically? What changes in your life would you like to see after you get back from the trip in which you're starring in the movie with a great cinematography? <laughs> Esty, what, what changes would you like to see? Uh, well, you know, the trips that have have made the most change for me have been the ones where we've added some type of volunteering. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the whole trip. It could be an afternoon of your trip. Mm-hmm. But just, I say, wherever you go, pick time, see what the local people are doing, what they need, and how you can help them. And where would that be for you? For my, my favorite memory of that was uh, in uh, Peru, I did mm-hmm. a cruise down the Amazon River. And we all brought stuff for this one village. We brought pencils and T-shirts and different things for them. And we got off this, you know, this beautiful boat. And we just sat in the village with these kids and gave them these gifts and talked to them and just, you know, watched them play soccer and how happy, how happy their life was in this little village. I remember that time too. Um, I was renovating my kitchen in this new house that we have, and. We, the, one of the women in the village showed us her house and it was, you know, it was four, a rick shack, four walls and the kitchen was a bucket and a window where she threw the stuff out the window into the oh garden. And I remember thinking she's happy with a bucket and, and a window. There's no glass on the window. It's literally just yes. a hole in the wall. And she was proudly showing her kitchen. And I called my husband up and I sent him some pictures and I said, let's not stress out about our kitchen. We've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's what you got out of Alexa. Where would you do your, the, the trip that would a year later, you'd say it spiritually, emotionally, and maybe physically changed you. Where would that be for you? Um, well, the, the one that I've done in the past was I was also volunteering and I was, uh, I spent two months in Costa Rica when I was in high school, helping to build schools with a program of called Amigos de las Americas. Uh, and that, I mean, in terms of just a life shifting experience, I can't imagine anything other than that. My dream trip though, we, we had a trip planned right when COVID hit and it mm. was, uh, we were going to go to um, Portugal with my mm. in-laws uh, with my husband and my, well, they were my soon to be in-laws at the time. And that's the trip. I mean, I still hope someday we can take that trip and just for the spiritual change. I mean, I absolutely love my in-laws. I'm probably the luckiest person in the world in that respect, but to have that opportunity to really spend quality time with them would be amazing. Very nice. I'm not going to go through the rest of the questions, Esty. I think they're they're a little bit, uh, we've answered them in part, but I will tell you that I have relatives who planned a trip to Ireland and COVID hit and they had to cancel. I think the, the trip was canceled by whoever was running it. But in preparation, they had bought very selectively bottles of Irish whiskey to sample so that they knew when they got there what they wanted to order at a restaurant or at a bar. And here they had bought invested in a whole bunch of bottles of very expensive Irish whiskey. Oh, you know. It's great. We have a saying in the travel industry, the anticipation of a trip can be almost as good, if not better, than the trip itself. And Mm -hmm. so we could all be enjoying our time right now, anticipating what our future trip, what our next trip 
would be. So I think that's a great idea. I think, you know, you know, Alexa, you should have a dinner with your in-laws and, and bring all Portuguese dishes to the table and watch <laughs> a bunch, you know? drink a bunch of port. <laughs> there there yeah, you go. It's just an interesting approach. I and mean, what you're saying, Esty, I, I think we could interpret that as, as the journey, as the planning, as well as just the trip. I look where I went. Look how long it took me to plan and prepare and the things I sampled and I did and the people I got involved in the journal I created. And a lot of people say, take a journal with you. Um, I learned to photograph what I was seeing in Europe on this trip. I had just met the man who was would be my husband. We'd met. He was at Yale and I was at Sarah Lawrence College and we met at a dance and he was a, an architecture student and he taught me to use the camera as my eyes. And I brought a camera to Europe and I took, I think, hundreds of pictures of everything. But I learned to look up and I learned to look down. Mm-hmm. And being only five foot one, it wasn't too hard to look down, but looking up was a little, <laughs> a little bit daunting sometimes. Ladies, I want to go through a couple of things quickly. If you had to leave your house, Alexa Fitzpatrick, in the next uh, hour, and I gave you a box 12 by 12, and you could decide, is that 12 inches by 12 inches, 12 feet, 12 yards, however big, because I've had some guests say they'd put their husband and their wife in the box, so I imagined it was a big box. So what two (laughs) things would you take besides your cell phone and besides your keys? And besides my husband? Besides besides your husband. Obviously, I would take my husband. What two things... We've been house hunting. And I said to him the other day, you know, the only thing I really need in a house is you. So the rest Aww. of it, we can figure out. Um, That's lovely. And they're still married after two months. I like And it. we're still um, married after two months. <laughs> what would you put in the box? Hopefully after 20 years. Um, I would probably put my computer because I am terrible at backing it up. So I would make sure it came <laughs> with me. And I would grab... Um, this might be cheating, but I have three journals. I did a program called A Course in Miracles, and I wrote in a journal every single day yes. uh, while My I did My friend who Zipline does A Course in Miracles, and I've been to some meetings. Three I full know. journals. And, Very uh, nice. I would take that with me so I could continue. To Thank learn you. Esty Gabe, what two things would you put in the box? Well, uh, this is going to date me a little bit, but I'd put my scrapbooks in there. Remember the days? Ooh, when sure. But scrapbooking is making a comeback. Oh, good. Well, each page took me like three hours and yeah. I have everything about my children, yeah. you know, in those scrapbooks, embellished <clears throat> with, I mean, it was, that was my creative endeavor when I was home with my children. So those are meaningful to me. And, um, you know, aside from obviously my family, I would, I would take my pets. I know we had a big fire here in San Diego a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what we took. We, we got our pets right away and we were in the we hotel. Got it. We got to go. Thank you very much, ladies. I'm going to read a couple of things I used to close my shows with way back in 2014. I found my notes. I think you'll appreciate this. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly, right? Kiss slowly, the best. Love truly, right, Alexa? And right, mm-hmm. Esty? Laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. And here's another one. Work like you don't need the money. You all know this one. Dance like no one's watching, but I hope they're watching. Sing like (laughs) nobody's listening, but maybe they will. And love like you've never been hurt. Money talks. Chocolate sings, especially my hot chocolate. Last but not least, this is a radio host plea to those listening. Thank you for turning me on. Ladies, have a great day. (laughs) Thank you. Stick around. We'll talk. I'm going to stop the recording. Josh, thank you. Appreciate you being our engineer. Ladies, remember, read my lips. Be creative, have a good life, and let's all make this a hell of a lot better year than we had last year. Wave goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. Bye from Radio Red. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches?